Hello, I'm Logan Carroll, and you're listening to the first episode of a new weekly podcast that's going to delve into the media network that surrounds the Conservative Freedom Club. Uh, We're going to dig into the propaganda they produce. We're going to break down the lies they tell. We're going to look at some of their connections. Today, we are looking at local, national, and international content that's republished on the blog network. And a special shout-out to, I don't know, some just anonymous, just anonymous angel just looking out for us all. And as a lefty, I'm subscribed to a lot of lefty email chains. I regularly get fundraising asks from different lefty organizations. And a couple of years ago, sort of out of nowhere, all of a sudden these fundraiser emails I was getting from lefty organizations all started to use the exact same language that they they needed money so they could fight the Koch brothers in their deep pockets. And it was overwhelming. (laughs) It didn't take long before I just completely zoned out any talk about the Koch brothers. And then last summer, I picked up a copy of Jane Mayer's book, Dark Money, and read through it. It's about the Koch brothers and the network that surrounds them. And the book is terrifying. It's like discovering that the boogeyman is real. Um, The Koch brothers really are... um, every bit as influential as all those lefty fundraiser emails made them out to be. And I'd really recommend, if you haven't read it, to go out and find a copy of Dark Money. Now, Jane Mayer's book does a great job of chronicling the way that think tanks and right-wing media have been used to advance the Koch brothers' agenda. Um, and it's this agenda that's it's not only partisan, but which is distinct from what was mainstream conservatism until the like late 80s. There's some analogies between this like national Koch brother network and the media network that surrounds the Freedom Club. We have a small collection of wealthy individuals using think tanks and pseudo-journalism to capture the Republican Party and its agenda, quashing all opposition, especially from other conservatives. For more examples of this, Star Trib a few years ago ran a couple articles about Alpha News targeting Republicans. Now, Alpha News was even born of Robert Cummins' frustration with the GOP-controlled legislature. Freedom Club recently redesigned their website, but until then, they bragged on their homepage that they were responsible for flipping the Minnesota House of Representatives to Republican control back in 2010. And Cummins was very upfront that he wanted the legislature to focus on right to work. And the GOP wouldn't do it for a variety of political reasons. They just didn't think it was feasible and nobody wanted to throw their political capital behind a losing agenda. So in 2012, Star Tribune ran an article about how Cummins was pulling all his funding from the GOP. 
uh, a source close to Cummins told Strib that he was going to use that money and instead f- uh, focus it in places where he would have a greater say over how it was spent. Right after that, right as he was shifting his focus, shifting the way he spent his money, he hired Alex Karam to uh, lead the Freedom Club. Now, Karam is a communications consultant who's worked for Republicans in the past, and it was after he took over that Alpha News was born. And they really do try to be the Fox News of Minnesota. And again, this goes back to that analogy that sort of like how Fox News has just a, a, a very outsized influence on the president of the United States right now. There's this interesting story about John Hinderocker, who, again, uh, board of directors of the Freedom Club, president and CEO of Center of the American Experiment, um, met with Jeff Johnson for two hours before Johnson announced his uh, gubernatorial run. And Hinderocker brags when he writes about that meeting that Johnson based most, if not all, of his policy positions on those of the center of the American experiment. Now, these blogs, especially Alpha News, claim to be independent and they claim to be local, which is why it was really interesting last week when I noticed that Alpha News was publishing content from the Minnesota Sun. So, curious, I started looking at a lot of their other content. And... What quickly becomes apparent is that not only do they have a lot of inaccurate local coverage, but they also republish a lot of national and even international content and present it as original. And often you can even trace this content back to the same funders that Mayo wrote about in Dark Money. Now I'd like to go through three different sources that Alpha News has republished this week. A local source, a national source, and an international source. First, the national source is a website called townhall.com. The article was called, Where are the Real Scientists? by a guy named Gil Gutnick. Alpha News credits Gutnick and identifies him like this. Gil Gutnick is not a scientist, but he did serve 12 years on the Science Committee in the U.S. House of Representatives. There's no indication that this is a reprint. Uh, I only discovered it because I was actively looking for it and did a search for the title and found that it had been published on Town Hall the day before it appeared on Alpha News. Town Hall was originally founded by the Heritage Foundation, which is part of that Coke-linked network described by Jane Mayer. And it's now owned and operated by Salem Communications, which which runs 15 Christian and conservative websites, including um, something called Red State and Christianity.com, and it also owns 73 radio stations around the country. According to Ann Nelson's book, Shadow Network, the owner and founder of Salem is closely linked to the Koch Network, and Salem, though it's like a a private for-profit company, is a part of this political agenda. Now, second, I want to talk about this local news source, something called the Minnesota Sun, which you may or may not be familiar with. Um, But they are part of something called the Star News Digital Media, which is a Nashville-based company that runs the Tennessee Star, the Ohio Star, the Michigan Star, Battleground State News, and the Minnesota Sun. Now, most of these claim to be local media outlets, but as we'll see, that's highly questionable. Um, Basically... What they've done is set up fake local news sites as a way to influence politics in battleground states ahead of the 2020 election. They even wrote once that uh, the company chose to expand into Ohio and Minnesota because they are battleground states that will figure prominently in the outcome of the 2018 midterm elections and the 2020 presidential elections. 
the managing editor of the Minnesota Sun is somebody named Anthony Gakowski. He authors all the local news that appears on Minnesota Sun, um, and he is a Minnesota native. Uh, he got his start writing for the Archdiocese of Minneapolis-St. Paul's newspaper. He went to school at the University of St. Thomas, and um, according to his bio, he's a Minnesota-based journalist, though he might not live here right now, actually. Uh, first of all, he's the managing editor for every Star News digital media publication except the Tennessee Star, which doesn't have a managing editor listed. Now, what this means is that, at a minimum, he's, man he's the managing editor for two local news outlets in states where he doesn't live. And this could be three. Um, his local coverage appears to be exclusively sourced from the web. Um, I, I can't speak definitively for everything he's ever written, but I read his last 20 posts, and not once did he cite a person he himself spoke to or something he saw with his own eyes. He cites press releases, he starts Strib and Pioneer Press, he cites local TV stations, uh, and on and on and on. And the photos he uses in these posts are also generic. They come from uh, the Mendota Heights Police Department provided a photo. You know, um, it in one case... It's the Senate Chambers, and it's a Flickr photo that's republished under a Creative Commons license. Um, all the photos are generic, just like the sources. Now, this contrasts really well with an October 28th piece he wrote that has a Nashville byline. He writes about people he spoke to. You know, Mueller, pictured above, spoke with the Tennessee Star Friday afternoon ahead of the event. And this piece also has a picture of him in Nashville. Like, I'm not saying definitively that he doesn't live in Minnesota, but I am saying that it doesn't matter. The kind of material he's producing could just as well be produced from Nashville, Tennessee. Now, Gokowski is also lax about his journalistic standards. Uh, for instance, uh, within the last couple months, he's written uh, a very positive news story about one of their advertisers without disclosing that the subject pays them money. Star News Digital Media has been really cagey about where they get their money. Basically, three prominent activist conservative businessmen are their only paid advertisers. But we, we don't really know the source of their funding. The Minnesota Sun, like Alpha News, also republishes a lot of content. So, for instance, they've republished a story within the last couple weeks by Conservative HQ, uh, which is a website that's founded and run by a guy named Richard A. Viguri, who's a founding member of that same group that links Salem Communications to the Koch brothers. Remember, Salem Communications are the people who run townhall.com. They've republished articles uh, by Ken Masugi, who's a senior fellow at the Claremont Institute, which is a conservative think tank whose funders include Linda and Harry Bradley, uh, the, the Carthage Foundation, and the Sarah Scaife Foundation, who all three of them are major subjects of Jane Mayer's book, Dark Money. Other sources of star-published material include The Daily Signal and The Daily Torch, which have both also been linked to the Koch Network. Now, so far, Alpha has only republished stories that are published under Gakowski's name and are about Minnesota but that doesn't mean we know where they're coming from. And we have a lot of reason to be skeptical. Okay, moving on to the international source. 
Now, in the last month, Alpha News has published three op-eds from a guy named Imam Tahidi, a Shia Muslim cleric and self-described Muslim reformer. Every piece criticizes Ilhan Omar, whose home country, Somalia, is majority Sunni. Tahidi is Australian, which, like, right off the bat, it's kind of eyebrow-raising that a Minnesota news outlet would have an op-ed about a Minnesota politician by an Australian with no clear connection to the state. So who is this Australian imam? Well, Tahiti supports a Muslim travel ban in his country and has defended far-right Australian politicians. He's even praised neo-Nazi Richard Spencer, though that tweet has been taken down. And one of the main qualifications he offers to demonstrate that he's a mom is that he has been recognized by the Senate of Canada in 2018. Now, Tahiti has been credibly accused of laundering far-right talking points, giving them the veneer of Muslim reform, while maintaining the underlying substance of racism and xenophobia. Uh, Robert McKay wrote about Tahiti in The Intercept. He said... For Islamophobes, Mohammed Tahidi is something very close to a godsend. Now, Tahidi has also been accused of profiting off his inflammatory comments. One Muslim reform advocate pointed out that Tahidi circulated what appeared to be fake death threats as publicity for a book he was releasing. The man is named Abdul Samir, who wrote with another reformer an essay that they posted to Medium. While we are not believers in Islam, we care about honest critiques of Islam and not an unsubstantiated hatred of Muslims, they wrote. But McKay points out that Tahiti may have more complex motives. He's a member of the minority Shia sect of Islam and may be using his platform to advance a sectarian agenda. McKay writes, Tahiti's fans in the West appear unconcerned or unaware that his project might be sectarian in nature. But if it is, the cleric's relationships to the Islamophobes who promote him might have something of a hall of mirrors about it. While Tahiti's far-right interlocutors think they're using him to smear Muslims, he could be using them to inflame sectarian tensions between the two rival branches of Islam. Now, I started this piece by admitting to being a lefty. Um, I'm not going to lie about that. But I'm a lefty because I'm reacting to things I've seen and experienced. Truth, in the little t sense, you know, saying and writing things that reflect actual reality, is a bedrock foundation of journalism. The Freedom Club's media network has zero concern for accurately representing reality. They lie about provable facts, hide their agenda, and uncritically publish anything that supports their point of view without considering the agenda of the author. They use a veneer of local journalism to advance a national electoral agenda. Now, we know these blogs routinely violate basic journalistic standards and subvert and twist the discourse. Now, the Freedom Club Media Network is not only linked to the Coke National Network second and third hand through their content, but directly through the leaders of the network. Uh, for instance, John Hinderocker, President and CEO of the Center, has spoken multiple times at Coke-hosted summits. And Freedom Club member Stanley Hubbard, who's the president of Hubbard Broadcasting, even gets a name drop in Jane Mayer's book as a member of the network. Here is how Mayer finishes the introduction. While Trump might have been elected by those he described as the forgotten men, ellipses here, he would have to face a private political machine organized in practically every state ready to attack any deviation from their agenda. 
Now that political machine Mayer is writing about is the National Coke Network. In Minnesota, that machine is organized by the Freedom Club, and their blog network is the PR front, laundering the ideas generated on the national scale and repackaging them for Minnesotans, frequently by directly republishing content and passing it off as local news and opinion. Okay, okay, as we fade out here, it's time for the read of the week. Now, normally I don't recommend that anyone read these blogs under any circumstances, but there was one that was just too good to miss. In the post, We Are Under Attack by John Hinderocker, well, I'm just going to read the whole thing. Sorry for the light posting today. We've been under a direct denial of service attack that has made posting almost impossible. I assume that liberal slash democratic party groups are responsible. We may or we may not ever be able to identify them. Our publishers worked with Cloudflare to protect us against this attack, I think successfully, although there will be a brief delay in accessing our site as the software sifts out malicious IP addresses, as I understand it. So thanks for bearing with us. Normal posting will now resume, I think. Yes, the read of the week is whoever did the DDS attack on Powerline. Now, I don't condone illegal activity, but Powerline is a garbage website, and the internet was just a little bit better while they were down. So whoever you are, I want to be your friend. DM me. Special thanks to Becky Dürmbach for being a sounding board and to Dan Carroll for providing the music. Tumbleweeds crushed by the open